0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: He had such a good arm, was a tough player, good leader, one of those players that a lot of people really liked like uh my, my father-in-law i think still has a little space in his mind where he's thinking that you know if we'd stuck with bledsoe perhaps we might even have gone to greater heights than we did with brady
2: it's january 2002 patriots at steelers this is remember that game the podcast about sporting events that take you on a journey and maybe chart the path of the zeitgeist i'm your host thomas emmerich and my guest is Rotoviz co owner and co host of the Rotoviz fantasy football show, Dave Caban? Dave, what was the biggest emotional force for you heading into this AFC title here at the turn of the 21st century? Was it the fatalism of Boston sports fanhood or the optimism of House Money having somehow gotten here with a backup quarterback?
1: It was wild. Um, so, the, the time period that I grew up in was one where you had got accustomed to teams from the new england area making pushes getting towards the finish line and then just completely falling out um you know with the red sox being one of the most popular teams uh in that stretch they were always making it towards the end and then just losing things down the stretch at the end of the year so though There had been celtics championship teams a little bit preceding my birth it was a town that had had some success before uh i would say that there was a lot of negativity from the older sports fans in the area you know this young kids like me we were trying to have that optimism going you know we had seen the patriots go to the super bowl after beating the jags in the afc championship game a couple of years prior to that um so I was just excited to see the team get back to another game. But yeah, there was definitely this thought of, you know, this is kind of like a uh, fool's gold. Eventually this will run out.
2: Yeah. As you mentioned, there is this interregnum with Boston sports in the late eighties into the nineties, the world lost bias. Uh, the Celtics got old bird jacked up his back, building that driveway. The Pistons beat the S out of them. Patriots plummeted after the 85 Bears did what they did to them in the Super Bowl, and then the L.A. comeback in the 86 Divisional. Pats missed the playoffs seven straight years. People selling season tickets left and right for Celtics and Pats. Bruins and Red Sox hadn't won in a notoriously long time. Then Bill Parcells takes a job in New England, and things start to ramp up from there. What was your experience with the Bill Parcells and then Pete Carroll eras in Foxborough? And then heading into the belichick era
1: yeah so i um and a lot of this is through the window of what my brother who's eight years older than me and my grandfather funneled down uh so it's kind of funny as i as i go back and start trying to remember some of these scenarios and the thoughts that i had i realize, you know how different my opinion might be now if i went back and watched through the lens of a you know of a sports watching fan that i have now uh but there was a lot of optimism about bill parcells there was this thought you know that he could kind of turn things around get this team over the hump he had a lot of really fun um press conferences a lot of memorable quotes um and then with with pete carroll too there was always this kind of i think feeling of that the team was getting close and you know at some point you would see them push over but there i don't know if there was really this belief that you'd ever see Anything like we ended up seeing, Uh, but there were there were some good teams in that stretch uh, before you had Belichick in the fold. You know, some of the details of them escapes me now, Um, but Parcells was fun. Um, You know, nothing though like this run with Belichick. Belichick coached a defensive
2: backfield that included Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, Otis Smith. In 96, when he was defensive backs coach for that Super Bowl run and lost to Green Bay. Special teams went against them that day, unlike it would here in 2001. Uh, And Belichick is basically the same defensive backfield here and against Cordell Stewart, as in the 96 divisional, where Cordell Stewart comes in for relief, 0-for-10 passing, and a 28-3 Patriots win. Teddy Bruschi, Ted Collins, uh, Willie McGinnis starters on that team as well. Uh, did you have a sneaking suspicion that New England could give the Steelers trouble as 10-point road dogs
1: here? I don't remember exactly, but I'm inclined to say that I would have believed in this defense. And a lot of the reason is, obviously, these players, uh, their their glory that they acquired continued to grow after this. But there was just a ton of names on this defense that you couldn't deny uh ty law was already you know one of those absolute favorites lawyer malloy terrell buckley to bucky jones willie mcginnis teddy Bruski, ted johnson i mean pretty much mike vrabel a young richard seymour everybody on this defense ended up being a player that not only do you remember but you remember a ton of pivotal and key plays that they made i mean as i just look down the box score pretty much every player on this defense has a place in my mind uh, even guys that were coming off of the bench i mean this team even had like a a brian cox on it um patrick pass just all of these guys that maybe if you're outside of new england you don't remember but they were all guys that contributed a key play here a key play there and then obviously the likes of of ty law uh teddy Bruski, these are players that really solidified themselves i think in nfl history not just patriots lore
2: both teams the 96 pats and the 2001 here had Drew Bledsoe, who would have to come in cold in this game. Brady's taken out by a low hit in the pocket late in the first half. Uh, it wouldn't be till the second one on Brady that they outlaw those. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so Bled- Bledsoe, Bledsoe having sat for four months, were you thinking about New England's chances? Brady goes down, and how did that compare to how you felt about the Patriots? And their chances when bledsoe went down in week two
1: to set the stage here i absolutely loved bledsoe a lot of people really loved bledsoe he was one of those fun players willing to take a chance had a he had such a good arm was a tough player good leader one of those players that a lot of people really liked like uh my, my father-in-law i think still has a little space in his mind where he's thinking that you know if we'd stuck with Bledsoe perhaps we might even have gone to greater heights than we did with Brady which i don't know if he actually believes that but like that's the type of fandom that he has you still see people wearing Bledsoe jerseys around you know i still have my Bledsoe jersey from third grade um so when Bledsoe went out it was like all right this season's done you know wind out of the sails people were really worried and then honestly even like after the Super Bowl, there were still questions, you know? So this is even going past this game of some people wanting us to go with Bledsoe, have Bledsoe lead this team forward. So him going down was an absolute, uh, you know, like death knell to many people. And of course, Brady comes in, you start to see what's there. And then it just became on a full out battle for that entire year. So then when brady goes out in that game i think a lot of people were feeling fine you know some people felt like in that matchup with pittsburgh you might even have been better off with bledsoe keep in mind at this point you still don't know that much about tom brady this was a tough Steelers defense this was a team that had given new england trouble in the past bledsoe had experience against them he'd won some big games uh so at the time it felt like you know perhaps this is the perfect opportunity to make the switch back Bledsoe can come in now, rally the team behind him, carry this momentum forward, and on some level, you know, getting tossed into a uh, a game like that, just out of the blue with Brady going down, maybe that was an even better entrance than, you know, this buildup of his first return to action after all of that time off.
2: The veteran quarterback there, the $100 million man uh, for the season had just been given the biggest contract in NFL history. So there's... Was- there's buying um, there in Boston and Foxborough. And uh, you mentioned, yeah, you're, you're from New Hampshire. So all of New England seems like it was pretty bought in at Bledsoe at that point. seems like, he had nerv- like a nervous young offense before he comes in, start the game with a false start by rookie uh, left tackle Matt Light. Three drives, one first down, no offensive points in the first quarter. Brady's throwing short of the sticks on third. and They're playing field position. you got a young quarterback, second-year player, first-year starter. They just come off the tuck rule game, extending their season a week prior in Foxborough. Did it start to feel like you're on borrowed time a little bit at any point, or were you more chip on your shoulder? Some folks might not give you as much credit for coming out with a win in the tuck rule game.
1: Yeah. So I think I definitely had that big chip on the shoulder of like, this team was able to get through that adversity of the game before everybody's you know talking about the about the play with Brady there and that absolutely I almost uh almost thought when you approached me about doing these episodes about talking about that game because that was an equally compelling equally interesting game um but at the time especially the Patriots were always looking it felt like the team was always looking for something to rally around. They loved having that type of underdog mentality of nobody believes in us. Nobody says they can do it. There's there's talk that the Patriots had gotten wind of the fact that the Steelers had already had their bags packed to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, Bill Cowher had told the team they could have their family, um, you know, make plans to go out there to the Super Bowl. So after that tuck rule game it just felt like you know maybe everybody's counting us out this team has overcome the odds at this point with this young quarterback to get to where they are you know we can do this we can carry this forward of course as i said some of the older new england folk weren't quite as convinced um at the time this was a really strong steelers team it was established they had cordell stewart jerome bettis a solid d heavily favored Uh, you know, going to Pittsburgh to play this game. So I think if you went across the, the new England region, you might get some different takes. Um, but there was certainly a quality that you could kind of feel too, as Brady got more involved in this team acclimated with some of those veterans that you'd seen for a while, that there started to be this kind of shift, which you eventually got to in that Patriots dynasty, where no matter what happened, you really believed that this team was just gonna win. You could just feel it. It didn't matter what happened, this team was gonna get there. Obviously, we weren't there heading into this game, but you have some of the events that we'll talk about unfold in this, and that's when you start to approach that. So this game was like a really pivotal shift, you know, really like the the catalyst, I'd say, to what we saw for like 20 years after. So it's, it's just a really compelling uh, game. You gotta go, like, people listen, you gotta go back there and watch it. It had an interesting flow. And then the thing I've been waiting to talk about is what happens after Brady goes down and Bledsoe first comes in.
2: This latest moment of adversity in the season, the the Patriots had started to get used to winning. They won seven straight from Thanksgiving on, which also happened to be when Bill Belichick named Tom Brady as the starter officially over a healthy uh, Drew Bledsoe. Seven straight wins coming in. And despite the struggles of the offense early, they come out with a 7-0 lead on a Troy Brown punt return. Patriots defense was stuffing Jerome Bettis on early downs and then blitzing Cordell Stewart relentlessly on third to get the league's uh, premier dual threat off the field, akin to how uh, Brian Flores would bottle up Lamar Jackson a couple years ago. It sounded like Bill Belichick was pretty forthright in the pre-production meeting with a guy he shared a sideline with the previous decade, Phil Simms. Uh, on the broadcast here, he relayed that Belichick wasn't afraid of Bettis running the ball. He ended up with eight yards on nine carries. The Steelers went for a third of their rushing production average on the season. Another note from Sims that uh, Belichick told him he wanted to force Cordell Stewart to throw outside the numbers. So you'll see a lot of help between the hashes coming everywhere from Lawyer Malloy to Teddy Bruschi to even Willie McGinnis dropping into throwing lanes. And uh, Tylock kind of wipes out Heinz Ward while Otis Smith has more mixed results with Plaxco Bursts. Belichick's strategy really pays off as, yeah, New England 7-3 late in the first half, special teams and great defense. Do you think this team as a whole, if putting a round robin with all the Patriots teams in your lifetime, would finish above 500? And, and then also, where do they rank in your heart?
1: Wow. Yeah, this one's really, really interesting. I don't think that if you have them play all of these other great Patriot teams that eh, it's so hard i think they probably finish somewhere around that i guess the, the the thing i have to know in this is the experience acquired in that season then carried forward to the future iterations they'd be playing
2: yeah just however however good those players are and if the experience builds them to where they are in the future season that'll all count
1: yeah, then unfortunately, I'm not sure they get to 500. But the you know the thing is, a lot of the key pieces that were there also contributed in the years in the future. I mean, this defense was just really, really good. Um, like I mentioned, almost every player on the defense is a player that was a substantial contributor who you can remember. I think offensively too. A lot of these players, you don't even realize how instrumental they were until you actually go back and look. I mean, even some of the guys like you mentioned, a a young Matt Light, Matt Light then became a very key player for the Patriots for a number of years. Uh, So this was a very good team. But in comparison to all of the ones that came after, especially somewhere in that 2006, 2007 type of range, I'm not sure that they could
3: compete we are fast approaching the holiday season we're always looking for the perfect gifts for those near and dear to us our families and friends and what could be better than a ticket to a live event we're heading towards the crucial weeks of the nfl season and there's so much sports going on but there's also concerts comedy theater so many other things that you can go and get a ticket to this time of year can be stressful looking for tickets getting the best price the best seats trying to figure everything out to have the best experience but it doesn't have to be like that because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful game time is a fast and easy way to get tickets for all the sports music comedy and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you will have they have exclusive flash deals they have the game time guarantee which means you'll always get the best price if you find a ticket in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 of the difference buying tickets in a matter of seconds two taps on their App and your set. So, whether it's for a gift or whether it's just to treat yourself this holiday season, snag tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code RotoViz for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account, redeem the code RotoViz for $20 off. Download game time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Just as Brady
2: starts settling in, his ankle is taken out in a play where he hits Troy Brown for a long game. So Bledsoe's in shortly before intermission. First play out rifles it at the intermediate level, a throw that Brady probably can't make or wouldn't attempt at this stage of his career. It just looks pretty coming out of Bledsoe's hand and slightly dangerous. Uh, and David Patton makes a great catch, gets clobbered, but holds on. Then Bledsoe gets drilled himself on the sideline. The next play, reminiscent to the Mo Lewis hit that took him out in week two, that left him with internal bleeding, but He hops up, drops a touchdown to David Patton. Rest in power. Back of the end zone, Bledsoe appears to give the Jordan shrug, is what it seemed like to me. 14-3 pats. What's the roller coaster of emotions like uh, at this point?
1: Yeah, (laughs) that was absolutely wild. Uh, Especially because Bledsoe got hit a couple of times. And like you said, on like the second play back, gets hit in what looks like the exact same type of play. Shows his toughness also showed one of the things that people liked about him was just how daring he was and willing to go and make that dangerous play marches the team down the field has that swagger with the shoulder shrug it was such a swing of emotions i I think after that happened it felt like okay now we can really do this you have the two quarterbacks there that you could rely on you have this veteran that comes back has this team clicking now I I can vividly, vividly remember that. And I would say out of all of the, well, not out of all of the plays, but that play of Brady, or not Brady, Bledsoe, scampering to the sideline, getting drilled, taking that similar hit is one of those things that really stands out when you go back and you look at that entire Patriots run. When you look at the success that New England teams have had in the last 20, 25 years, that play just feels... Like, it's just burned in your mind because after that, just so many things turned around and you just continued to work out for New England.
2: Yeah, the sideline got really animated after that Bledsoe hit. Even you have, you have Brady hobbling over, I don't know if he's just, if, he, if he's yelling like, hey, wait, way to go Bledsoe or jawing with the Steelers or a combination of the two, good momentum shift as you can hope for period right after you lose your quarterback. Steelers get the ball to the edge of field goal range late in the half. They're pushed out of field goal range by an offensive pass interference in the end zone by Plaxico Burris. Cordell dropped it between the numbers, but the four and five, Otis Smith's number. Burris prevents the interception. Burris also drew a couple flags on Otis Smith, and Burris would have his revenge on New England a few years later. But today, it couldn't (laughs) click, really, with Stewart. Um, First time the Steelers had ever trailed running into the tunnel at halftime in Heinz Field. Uh, Stewart fumbles a snap in the drive coming out of the first half. Then they get a kick block uh, lateraled by Troy Brown to Antoine Harris to the house twenty-one-three. Cower has a look like uh, it's happening again. Two AFC Championship home losses already in the past few years for the Steelers. There, how how was the Pat Steelers rivalry viewed at the time for you, and is it different in any way today?
1: Well. Yeah, because I forget exactly what I think it was the year I was in fourth grade. So I think it might it was probably the year after the Patriots lost to Green Bay in the Super Bowl. I forget which round of the playoffs it was in, but there was a Pittsburgh New England game that was very contested, uh, very intense. New England ends up losing that game six to seven to Pittsburgh. And it was one of those that really left that burning hole in your stomach. Like, we just needed a little bit more time. You can't believe that happened. Um, And you just want to see this team be able to go back out on the field right away and play that game again. Also, you know, the Patriots at this point were the franchise that, you know, not the cream of the crop, and you'd had these impressive teams there uh, in Pittsburgh for a while. So, losing that tough game to them being a team in the afc that wanted to make that push and get to where teams like pittsburgh were there was definitely a view of, of more of a rivalry you know you fast forward and uh pretty soon it feels like almost every team is viewing them as having a rivalry with new england where there's really only maybe two or three teams that new england feels are its actual rivals uh so that really shifted but at the time this was a game that i think um like I said earlier, too, just that underdog status really played into it. So there was definitely this view of wanting to go and try to smack Pittsburgh in the mouth.
2: That 7-6 loss, I believe it was the divisional in the Pete Carroll era. And now uh, Belichick has a chance to enact some uh, Revenger Patriots fans, but they're not going to hold the Steelers down for long. At 21-3, to three, they come roaring back. They're 10-point home favorites after all two touchdowns in two and a half minutes and just like that we're going into the fourth with a 21-17 game from my memory as like a neutral you know observer shot that the patriots are up by that much and not that surprised that ended up being close steelers top three on both total offense and defense new england 19th in total offense and 24th in total defense though the pro football uh reference srs had pittsburgh at fourth and new england at seventh so ambivalent about which team is much better there they had just handled baltimore the defending champs quite comfortably while new england much closer hosting oakland pittsburgh had a veteran qb while new england again had went in at least with a second year sixth rounder uh and the markets react to that stewart gets a little more comfortable amos Zeroy gets going and uh 2117 entering the fourth are you prepared to white knuckle it the rest of the way
1: (laughs) yeah definitely um this is one of those where it's like uh you know you start getting close to a game and one team has has done most of the damage over the last quarter and you're just kind of like all right like what are the odds that the underdog team can actually stop this from continuing stop the bleeding and be able to turn this around. I'm sure there were some people questioning, like, all right, like, is Brady healthy enough to get back in? Can he provide some type of a spark? Let's make something happen. There's probably some of those older fans thinking, oh, like, here we go. We got a taste of it, you know, just to get it get it pulled away in the stadium. The Pittsburgh fans were like, okay, all right, like, we can take a, a release now. That deep breath. We don't need to hold it anymore. Like, uh, we're going to be fine. We're going to go ahead and we're going to pull this thing off.
2: You have the Patriots secondary doing a great job, though such a long football game. And much like against the Rams, you got two great receivers on the other side here Here with Heinz Ward and Plaxico Burris. Uh, Phil Sims said that in the pre-production meetings, Ty Law talked about how he was annoyed that a reporter took him out of context when he said, we're going to go hit them in the mouth. And that his full comment was, hey, we uh, know PLEX and Hines Ward all... They each like to hit the bone in the mouth, just like us. You know, he pays tribute to guys who who play physical downfield like them. And and they both, the, the four of them with uh, Otis Smith as well, like kind of put on a show. But AFC title and the Super Bowl, the other team comes roaring back, final 20 minutes or so of the game. How valuable do you think the week 16 buy was for the Patriots in playing this physical brand of football, uh, particularly in pass coverage?
1: I think that... Um... One thing that kind of stands out to me, though, is that ugh, these Patriots teams felt like ones where actually you would have wanted them to just keep that in that rhythm, staying physical, like, you know, not taking a break off of the gas. Um, so I, I actually, as a fan, sometimes found myself hoping, well, not hoping, but being okay with if somewhere between like week 13 and 17 suffered kind of like a bad loss, just to kind of regroup. I almost felt like sometimes that was more valuable than the bye week of taking, you know, like uh, kind of getting to decompress instead of carrying that energy through and just keeping it going. However, that said, we all know what the coaching staff was able to do, what Belichick and company did when they did get that week off and it gave them more time to prepare for teams. Uh, So as a result of that, you know, it's hard to say that uh, wasn't super, uh, helpful. Also, you know, you're always going to have, especially with a physical defense like that, some injury concerns. So it probably allowed them to get healthy uh, as well. Some
2: theorize, I guess I'd have to ask Ty Law himself, like it is just jamming guys at the line and following like a great receiver around him and Otis Smith. Does that are you down a little bit when you're playing like every snap going into the fourth quarter. Yep. And then also, yeah, maybe just like a, I, I wonder if they took the gas off a little, play a little more conservative when they're up more. And um, well, it worked out. They won both games. They win the Super Bowl here. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> were you in? Uh, yeah. But that week 16 bye, I thought was pretty wild. Were you in any fantasy leagues at the time? And and do you remember things running through week 17 as a result? And uh, and did you get any uh, Pats and Steelers on your roster in the early 2000s there?
1: So when this, I don't think I was playing fantasy at that time, uh, that came probably like two or three years after. Uh, but yeah, there was definitely, um, some players from those teams that would have made some of the fantasy rosters that I would have had years later. Although, um. I don't know if I ever had the privilege of having Cordell Stewart on one of my teams because I would have loved Cordell Stewart actually was like one of my absolute favorite players. I'd followed, followed his career at Colorado. Uh, If people remember just how exciting he was when he was at Colorado, he had a game where I think he like ran for a touchdown, passed for a touchdown, caught a touchdown, and he also would sometimes punt, Um, you know, so he'd be one of those really interesting players to get on your fantasy team. Also, Troy Brown would have been a really fun one. Uh, as Brown was another one of those guys, an absolute New England favorite who did a lot of different stuff. Um, you know, might not have always translated as much in fantasy, but you would have had fun having him. You, sometimes you saw him come in, um, like at the end of a half, to try to get an interception on a hail mary. Occasionally, you'd see him run. You'd see him do all of these different things, kind of like Cordell Stewart. Um, so they they would have been some of those fun players to have back in the day. As would have been. Jerome Bettis. And then obviously, as things start to move forward with that Patriots offense, a lot of those guys become very interesting. Then you have some years too, where Adam Vinatieri felt like a kicker you had to have on your roster.
2: Trey Brown does so much more in this game than just the eight receptions for 121 yards, which in this game is a huge share of the production on top of that opens up with the punt return touchdown or opens up scoring with the punt return touchdown and has a huge part of that blocked kick return for the other touchdown in the second half there and Patriots do a good job of shutting down Jerome Bettis though he had come into this year like like coming off like a 370-ish touch season Wow, and he had missed a bunch of uh, weeks leading up to this game, so didn't produce as much this season. But I know you're talking about on the Rotovitz Fantasy Football Show the other day about hyper fragile builds. Um, if you're doing a hyper fragile build around 2001, is it possible Jerome Bettis uh, with that kind of uh, volume might be a guy you're picking <laughs> up if he's like the if he, if he's if you're on a running back third or fourth in that
1: uh, strategy? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny thinking about the the type of volume that backs had back then. And then one of the things that stood out to me uh, just when watching this game back was the first play of the game. We saw the I formation, uh, and then you see some of those like power sets too that Pittsburgh lined up with Bettis and it it was an interesting juxtaposition in the first couple of plays because you know new england opens up coming out of the eye you have a player like bettis on the opposite side of the ball but then you do see the second play of the game new england goes to a set with five wide uh, which was kind of interesting so it was fun to go back and watch and compare the way the game was played then versus where it's now but there would have been a lot of really really interesting running backs to get on those hyper fragile rosters back then Props to
2: Charlie Weiss. In doing research for this, I forgot that Brady threw over 50 times in the the snow game uh, the previous round, a sixth-rounder in his first year starting. That works out. In this game, he did a pretty good job of, like, they'd get Troy Brown out of the slot against, like, Jason Gilden. On the David Patton touchdown, they also get a against Gilden, who's a good edge rusher. He had two sacks in this game. Uh, And then he's mentioned, yeah, coming out five wide. Troy Brown, as mentioned, does a lot of things there. Where does he rank? Uh, This one rank for you among the pantheon of uh, Patriots playoff performances for non-Brady players affecting the outcome of a game.
1: I think this one ranks pretty high, and there's been a lot of terrific performances. Uh, But when you think about the swings that those plays that he was involved with made, I mean, you really can't understate it. This was one of those games where special teams... Was just an absolute saving grace for them um like you mentioned runs back a punt which was something that uh you know like brown was one of those players when he got the ball you thought it was always possible they talked about on the broadcast about how the steelers wanted to try and kick it away from them there was a penalty on the play before which moves them back allows brown to return that then on top of the receiving work 121 yards um on eight receptions also makes that brilliant lateral just like on the play on that blocked field goal attempt he made a nice play and had great awareness just to even get to the ball and scoop it up and then to make that perfect lateral uh you just can't say enough about it and then just being the type of player that these quarterbacks on that team could rely on on every play on the leadership that he brought it's really hard to understate as i mentioned you know there might be other performances. You could look at some Rob Gronkowski performances, some Randy Moss, James white had a couple of huge games in key spots, you know, in the super bowl and what have you. Uh, but like I said, people absolutely love Troy Brown. This was one of those catalysts. You know, there was a section of time where you had a Patriots team that didn't have a lot of superstars, if you will. Uh, But Troy Brown was one of those guys that, uh, you know, could quietly do so many things and just had a number of tremendous games like this. So, you know, he was just really huge in stepping up and getting this team through a lot in that game.
2: Trey Brown comes up with a, a huge catch on third down um, late as the uh, Patriots are chewing a bunch of clock and you know, pushing the the lead to 24-17 there in the fourth quarter. Bledsoe, you just see that arm talent and hits Brown in stride toward the sideline on third and 11. Yeah, and um, I
1: think, is yeah. is that the one where he like lofts it up and it's just kind of got like this soft touch, this soft arc, yep. which was one of the really compelling things because at the time that felt like a throw that you wouldn't have seen Brady make or even attempt. Uh, you know, and Bledsoe felt like, you know, one of the few players that would complete that at the time, so.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the arm talent was nearly un- unrivaled with Drew Bledsoe. And they could both find Troy Brown, who finished as a wide receiver one in week, the one week before Bledsoe was injured, uh, which I found using Rotovis' NFL Player Stat Explorer. He probably wouldn't have done as well in our, our underdog advance rate explorer, given that the Pats had a week 16 bye. I'm not sure how they would have handled that back then, but uh, that, I'm sure <laughs> they would have been discounted quite a bit in underdog drafts as a result. Yep. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but... um. Yeah, so Bledsoe comes out of that lull second half and makes that big throw. Belichick puts in Vinatieri for the clincher to make it, which would make it 27-17, if, but just barely misses wide left. Hines field, people are still trying to figure out how you kick there in the first season at that field. The Steelers had themselves, uh, Chris Brown had missed 10 field goals at home, and Brady just, or Vinatieri just misses that from 50, so Steelers still alive. Cordell Stewart, Sales a couple ones. Again, trying to throw down the middle, but Patriots doing a good job of of making him work uh, over and down to, to his receivers and just keeps sailing Plaxico. Lawyer Malloy basically seals it with the the Patriots' second interception of the, the fourth quarter. How confident are you coming out of this win? Uh, did you feel like they're being slept on given that they had the plus four turnover differential and the special teams uh, scores. Uh, do you feel like they're being discredited for going out and getting a win?
1: I think at that point, yes, definitely. Because you saw a team that finished very strong down the stretch, then gets through the adversity of that game against the Raiders, then comes out and puts up this really solid performance against a team like Pittsburgh. And that's when, if you've been following the team, you can start to say, all right, like, you know, some people could chalk this up to luck, but you're not lucky every single week. You don't get over some of these obstacles just by luck, you know, this many times in the course of a season. Ended up finishing that regular season with 11 wins, which felt like a tremendous achievement given Bledsoe going down early. So I think at that point, there was definitely this buy-in and starting to feel like, all right, we might be playing a super, super talented team like the Rams. But the Patriots have been routinely finding ways to neutralize the best elements of the opposition that they were facing. As a result of that, you know, it allowed them to be in any game. So to many, it was this, you know, underdog type of team. But uh, as a fan, you realize that there were things that they could do to put them on a much better footing with the team that they'd be facing, even if it was going to be, you know, the greatest show on turf.
2: Yeah, the Rams four to one to win the Super Bowl preseason. Patriots sixty to one, and that's before they lose their hundred million dollar quarterback. It would have been probably would have been closer to the Rams uh Super Bowl odds in ninety nine when they lost Trent Green preseason. And that that knocked the Rams Super Bowl odds down to one hundred fifty to one. I wonder if Patriots would been closer to that than even sixty to one. Still, no team has won a Super Bowl with lower odds than that since two thousand one. Eagles wow. tying them in twenty seventeen at sixty to one. Rams just the or Ravens just the year prior seemed like a big departure as well. It was Ravens are at twenty two to one after this huge stretch from eighty three to ninety eight, where you know on a, on average it's a seven to one or eight to one team, and a lot of the years it's just you know who will win when, when the Niners and Cowboys play in January. But you get to this yeah uncharted territory at the turn of the century. Did that help you come to feeling of why not us due to how crazy it got around Y2K with way the seasons were playing out?
1: Yeah, just weird circumstances in a lot of these games. It did feel like, you know, at some point you had to have a changing of the guard with some of the teams that you'd seen. Why not New England? Why not the time? And I think that you did see the teams start to do things that at the time, other teams weren't doing things that looked new. It looked like they were always trying to make adjustments to progress things forward. Um, You'd see that loss of times coming out at halftime where you felt like there was a couple of key changes that were made. Um, And in comparison to Patriots teams that you had seen prior, there was just something a little bit different about them. And I do think that some of it just came from the composure that you saw Brady have early on a lot of the intangibles that were there. And it was just pretty clear, um, you know, after you finished that first season that this was the type of player that though some though there were some, some that still held their hope and bled. So that, you know, was pretty special and was just a guy that just found ways to win games. And you had a coaching staff there too, that just found ways to pull things out. Uh, so it definitely felt like, why not, why not us?
2: this has been another episode of remember that game please rate review subscribe and check out more episodes
4: whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring podcasts on the blue wire network